It's a lot more than that. You have, you have come. You have come. I know you're following you, you have come to the dining table of God. And what I want to bring to you this morning exactly the, the last week of Christ and why the Passover, why this, the Lord's Supper is so important to us. It's important to me. It, this is an honor. I, y'all have no idea what an honor it is to be able to to administer to you the elements of what Christ set before us that we could remember Him. It's important to me. It should be important to me. Father, I thank You, Lord, that You have given me this privilege and this opportunity to be here and to do what some... I've heard some preachers say, well, we have to do communion next Sunday. It's not a have-to. It's a should. Father, I thank You that, that once again I have the honor to, to, to stand and to minister the Word of God, Father, and, and to minister the elements to, to those that are here. And Father, I pray that, that You would anoint this Your servant, Father. Anoint this Word that You have given me. You, you, you know that I, I am not a theme type preacher. But you have given me words, Father. I think that, that, that this church, not only this church, but those that are, that are listening over Facebook, that they, that they need, Father. And I pray that you would help me to administer this word to them that they can understand. Father, I thank you for those, for so many that are here this morning to hear this word. I pray, Father, that you would anoint their ears, Father, not only their physical ears, but their spiritual ears, that they can receive this word. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. I have one service left. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, three hands went up. Get as close as you can. I'm sorry. I'll make sure you get one next Sunday. Okay. Oh, okay. Forget it. Bye. Communion, the final week of Christ. We see on your syllabus is found as we go reading from Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 23. And if you'll follow me in your, your word, and I pray that you, you know, either open your phone or open your pad or open your Bible. So, one of, one of the three. Luke 22. One, verses 1 to 23. He said, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, and they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. And so he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. And so he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. And then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that, he, that we may eat. 
And so they said to him, where do, we, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he entered. When you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished room, upper room. There make ready. And so they went and found it just as he had said to them. Now, isn't that awesome? Everything that he said to him, to them, that's exactly how they found it. And people wonder, you know, is Christ real? My, my. So many prophecies were foretold that he fulfilled every one of them. And he told them, told them what to do, and they did. And they prepared the Passover. Verse 14, When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired. With fervent desire, I have desired. Now, the desire I have desired is a Hebrew phrase that means I with, with compassion, with zeal, with something that I truly, truly want to do. And that's why that's why that verse is there. To eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is, is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man of, to, by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who, do, who would do this thing. In the final hours of Christ's ministry, Christ sent His disciples to set up a place where He might be able to observe what, what is called the Seder or the Passover supper with them. He expressed this desire, I mean, in, in, the, in the strongest terms, as I said a minute ago, He said, with desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you. This Passover means a lot to me. And that is, I have earnestly desired it. Now, why did Christ lay such emphasis on this Passover? I believe... Oh, why would, why would this Passover be different from any other Passover? I believe that Christ desired both for the sake of His disciples, whom He had been with for the past three and a half years, and, and whom and he was about to depart, and for the sake of you, us, the church, that he might institute a lasting memorial. That's why this is so important of his work, which he was about to complete. He was about to do something to complete the work, to die, to be the, the, the ultimate sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. Let me tell you something. Christ died during the month of Nisan, 14. He had to. He had to die 
at the time when the first Passover was set. Because this was the time that he was scheduled to die. I'm going to tell you something else you probably didn't know. Did you, did you know that on the same mountaintop where Isaac was, was going to be sacrificed, that's the same mountaintop that Christ was crucified? Amen? Did you all know that? Well, you do now. And he had to die on 1418. He had to. There was no other time for Christ to die. That's why he knew exactly when he was going to perish. And he was going to die for our sins. He desired, listen, Christ desired to eat this Passover with his disciples because this would be his last fellowship of this kind with his disciples until the millennial reign. Now, if you look on the back of your, your syllabus, you see I put there five things. Let me see your towel. Let me see your things for just a second. This is what dining means. Dining table is a place of fellowship. The dining table is a place of connection. The dining table is a place of blessing. The dining table is a place of brokenness. The dining place is a place of givenness. The dining place is a place where, where the Jewish family got together. When you were invited to, to a dining table of a Jewish member or a Jewish family, that was an honor. If you remember Mephibosheth, when, when the king, when King David called him and he was placed in a place of honor at the king's table, that was an honor to him to be actually placed at the king's table. Well, you are going to have a place at the king's table. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Luke 25, 15. And you'll see that in each point that I make. That's the first point that I want you to understand. With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. With fervent desire, God wants to eat this Passover, the elements that you're free are about to partake, because He loves you so much that He died for your sin. I want you to know that this dining table that you're about to eat at means a lot to Christ, and it should mean a lot to you. Again, Jesus had spent three and a half years with His disciples, and they had been almost inseparable throughout his whole old earthly ministry. As a matter of fact, the Word of God says in John 13, 1, He says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come, that He should depart from this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. He loved you to the end. As a matter of fact, He loved you to the end. He spread His hands out and He died for you. Hello? That's listen, listen to me. Partaking of the elements of, of Christ should, should be the most important day of, 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 your, of, of the day. I, I don't know how it's, it's handled whenever you take it because that's, it, it's that important. Christ gave us a, a memorial to, to remember Him by. In, in one sense of the word, it's like Christ is saying that He wanted to savor every moment of these last hours with His disciples. Number one, to prepare them of what lay ahead and to assure them that everything was going to work out fine. And not only that, that the victory was at hand. He was fixing to be victorious when He died on the cross. Because how in the world is that victorious? Hey, you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Is that not your victory? Is that not your victory? Hello? I said, is that not your victory? Amen. Yeah, and I was, I was discussing with Sister Debbie a minute ago. 
because I, I said, <laughs> I said it's really ironic that that, that, that we we're talking about this because it's in our sermon. How often do we look at the final moment of, of some some loved one's life and, and allow grief and allow and allow sorrow, sorrow to, to permeate every fiber of our being? And we do. When we lose someone, that's exactly what we do. But when we should be seeking to redeem what time is left with a, with a, with, and leave a legacy of love and a legacy of joy, a legacy, a legacy of knowing that, hey, I'll see you in the morning. I'm going to see you in the morning. And that's exactly what he was doing. Christ was going to leave them, and there, there would be sadness and, and separation, but there was also going to be joyous hope, and there's going to be a grand reunion that will occur when He returns. When Christ returns, we'll be able to see our loved ones. Hello? Tomorrow morning. Because I think exactly when they wake up, it's going to be tomorrow morning. I'll see you in the morning. During the evening, when they were at the Passover supper, Christ told them these very things. It says over in John 14, chapter, one, uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 8, He says, Let not your heart be troubled. He said, You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, For I go to prepare a place for you, and, I go, and, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, and that where I am... There you may be also. Somebody say amen to that. My goodness. That, that's good enough for Baptist's child, y'all. And in even Paul writes in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 17, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who fall asleep, that you sorrow as others who have no hope. We have hope, Debbie. I said, we have hope, y'all. One day we'll see them face to face once again. We have that hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Somebody say shout. Woo! For the voice of the archangel. Now, hey, hey, y'all. That's all that's left. <laughs> that's all that's left is, is a shout. Is a, is a trump. Going. That's it. For the Lord shall descend with heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Woo! That's good words, Lord. No. A few days before the death of Dr. F.B. Myers, who I, I love his work, he wrote a very dear friend and he wrote these words. He says, I have just heard in my great surprise that I have but a few days to live. It may be that before this reaches you, I shall have entered my place of rest. He said, don't trouble to write, because we shall meet in the morning. We shall meet in the morning. Look, 
this would begin, this, this pastor would begin the final ordaining event leading to the ultimate work for which Christ came. Again, Luke 22, verse 15 says, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You see, Christ was fully aware of the suffering which he was about to behold. In Luke 22, verses 41 and 42, it says these words, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Now, I've heard preachers stand up and preach. He says what, what, what Christ was saying, that this was his human form, that, that he didn't really want to go to the cross and have the pain. That's not what the cup was about. By going to the cross, Jesus will drink the cup of God's wrath. That's what's going to happen. All the way to the bottom, He will bear, listen, he will bear divine judgment. That which would rightly fall upon Israel. Not upon, only upon Israel, but indeed upon all humanity. The, the cup of wrath. Because when He took of the sins of the world, at that time, he would, if God would have looked upon him, he would have really have felt God's wrath because God would have had to have destroyed him right then and there. But then he said, but my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So God turned his back and he gave, and he gave up the ghost of himself. He took the sins of the world. He had to face God's wrath, the cup of God's wrath. But, but what's great about it, he says, but he says it in, but nevertheless, He knew what he was going to face. He knew that he had faced the cup of God's wrath. He knew that he had faced the pain. But he chose to. He chose to do this. And, and, and all, all these events that would take place were ordained by God. And, and it's interesting to see how the gospel points out that even the upper room itself was divinely prepared. In Mark 14, verses 13 and 16, it says, And he sent out the two... Uh, two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him, and wherever he goes, to say to the master of the house, and the teacher says, Where uh, is the guest room in which uh, I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a, very, uh, a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found just, just as he said to them, and they prepared the, the Passover. Everything from the betrayal plot by Judas to the tomb where Christ was to be laid had been carefully laid out in divine by the divine counsel of God of the Godhead. Everything, everything that God that was to say that, that Christ would have to go through was done and ordained by God. It was laid out for him already. John 12, 12 verses twenty seven says he says now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this very hour. And he did. And Acts 2.23 says, Him being delivered by the determined purpose, by His determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, and have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. So he chose that route. There's a song I love to sing to you, Bill Wilson. The way of suffering. But Christ chose that road out of His love for you and for me. He chose that road. And 
Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, and we read, And all who dwell on the earth will worship Him, whose names have not been in the, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, it was all ordained by God that would happen. Isn't that wonderful? For you and for me, it's wonderful. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Isaac asked in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 7, he says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham? And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take your now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, the same mountaintop, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and, and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offerings and, and arose and went to the place in which God had told him. Then one then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come, and we will come back. Did y'all get that? Did you get it? And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and, set, and laid it on Isaac's son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered in verse 8. He said, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now, this Passover that Christ did on this last week would be the pivotal Passover which would change forever and redefine the focus of the Passover that we take today. In Luke 22, verse 15, once again, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. You see, this Passover would be unlike any other Passover. You see, the children of Israel observed the Passover, saw the feast as a commemoration and, and, and their deliverance from the, from the bondage and from the tyranny of, of, of Egypt. It says in Exodus 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 23 and 24, it says, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer, destroyer to come into the house to strike you. And you shall observe these things as an ordinance for you and your son. The children of Israel had looked back to the slaying of the Passover lamb. But on this Passover, the true Passover lamb would be slain. Somebody say amen. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, what? Our Passover 
was sacrificed for us. Now, now, from this point on, the focus was no longer for looking back. I say the focus is no longer for looking back to Moses and his leading his people out of Egypt. The focus now is on the Lamb of God and his life-giving work on the cross. Somebody say amen. Who would lead his followers out of the bondage of sin and to the glorious freedom of his grace. Oh, glory. That gave me so chills, y'all. Knowing that Christ died for me. That once I accepted his son Jesus as my personal Savior, I no longer have to live in fear. But I know that one day I will be with him because I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. In John 8, 36, John 8, chapter 36, verse 4, If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? Amen. Now this is the last verse I'm going to read before we do the elements. Now I want you to listen to First Peter chapter 1 starting with verse 18. He says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct or your lifestyle received by traditions from your fathers. 19. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Remember, that's what they had to find. That's who Christ was. He was the ultimate sacrifice for your sin. He was the ultimate sacrifice for my sin. Verse 20. He indeed, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for, say me, Everybody say me. One more time. For you. Who through his him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Amen. 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 I want to read three verses of Scripture, really four, before we take the elements. Everybody have the elements? Who doesn't have it? Raise your hand. Please. One through here, two over here, Brother Jim. And one over here, Brother Sister Sonny, up front.
John 6, verses 32 and 35, says, and Then Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You are at the dining table of the Lord this morning. It's something that a lot of people don't have the privilege of doing. But you do. You do. John 6, 47, 48 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in me has everlasting life, for I am that very life. I am the bread of life. In John 6, right down the, from there in 50 and 51, it says, This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of this world. And he did just that when he died on the cross. He loves you that much. You have been invited to the table of the Lord. It's a privilege.
want you to listen to me really carefully. I want every attention to listen to what I'm fixing to read. Because this is serious business right here. Do you understand that? Does everybody understand? This is very serious. This is not just something we do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 27, it says these words. He says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Does everybody understand that? Everybody looking at me? If you have animosity in your heart, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you have anger or resentment or anything in your heart right now, get rid of it. That's what that means. Are you understanding me? This is yes. This is no. This is I don't care. But listen to what I'm saying. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or many die. Because they took it in an unworthy manner. We're going to pray before we take the elements. We're going to pray silently to yourself. I want you to pray and make sure that everything in your life is right with God. Hello? Do you understand that? Okay, pray. Corinthians 11, 23, 24. It says, For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same day in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. First Corinthians 11, 25 and 26, In the same manner he 
also take the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Just do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 